and amen and amen. Thank y'all so much. I, I love the songs that y'all sang this morning. I think it is well with a lot of our souls, and I'm excited about that. Now, I'm going to give you in this Invest series something that I think is going to be very interesting. Uh, if you have your Bibles or your phone, remember all the uh, notes are online, and they are on summitcharleston.com or they're on uh, Facebook at Summit Church. So you can check them out there. But I want to take a look this morning. I want to give you an insight what the Lord has given me for this, for this Easter as we invest in others. The reason why we're investing this year is because we believe that God has not called us to be disciples of Jesus, followers. But he's called us to be disciplers of Jesus where he says, go and make disciples. And so with that being said, I want us to look at a passage. I hope that's not me. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 23. Let's take a moment and look there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 23 in the New Testament. And let's look at the good doctor's account of what he is saying there as Jesus is uh, going to the cross to die. Luke chapter 23. And I just want to stop on one verse. And that's going to lead us to some other verses. But I want us to take a look at that. And I'm, I'm trying to be really low-key. Here's what I'm starting out. Y'all are going, John, you're not pretty wired this morning. Well, I am, but I'm going to start real low-key, and then I hope to finish really big. So uh, y'all, y'all bear with me because I'm going to try and keep myself, you know, suppressed if I can. That's very hard for me, but I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 26. Listen to what the Word of the Lord says, and as you read it, I pray that it just sits and rest into the spirit that God has made alive within you that takes over your soul, which is your mind, emotions, and will, which then leads your body. Verse 26, as soldiers led him away, they, leading Jesus away to the place of the skull, Golgotha, where he's going to fulfill all prophecies in the Old Testament of the coming Messiah. Over 300 prophecies uh, that were fulfilled And we get to see the magnificence of that. They seized Simon from Cyrene. Now, under Roman law, uh, Roman law, a Roman soldier could look at you and say, "You are going to uh, carry my equipment." And by Roman law, you and I would have to carry that equipment, and we would have to go the equivalent of one mile. Well, when Jesus began to teach at the beginning of his ministry. He began to teach him. He said, listen, if somebody asked for you to go one mile, what did he say, saints? Go what? Go two. Meaning this, don't just fulfill the law. Anybody can fulfill the law. But go over and above what the law requires, because if you do that, then you go to a place where God dwells. You go to a place where you give, where other people stop giving. See, this is what God does for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us. You know, while we were following uh, the ways of this world and the prince of the air, and we were children of disobedience, God went over and above. He went the extra mile. They seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. And out of the blue, the Lord just said to me, he said, the only way 
John to get to Jesus. The only way is to go through the cross. It's the only way to get to Jesus is to go through the cross. Think of what Simon did. Simon is this guy who was traveling. He was from Cyrene. He was not even from there. And all of a sudden they make him carry the cross of the Messiah. And can you imagine? The Bible doesn't tell us. But can you imagine how he got to watch the beating of Jesus, the punishment of Jesus, how he got to be so close at the very place at the very place, and carry the instrument of death. Can you imagine what he got to experience? And the Lord was showing me, John, if you want to get to Jesus, you have to go through the cross. So my main point is this today. Like the, the overarching point is this. The only way to get close to Jesus is to go through the cross. Uh, uh, the only way Simon got to know Jesus was through the carrying of the cross he had and let's let's look at this one more time as the soldiers led him away they see someone from Cyrene who was on his way from the country he was passing through and then it says and put the cross on him he put the cross on him Jesus would say to us if any man would that wants to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. In other words, we've got to put the cross on. We have to put the cross on, and he put this cross on. And, and In other words, the only way to get to Jesus is not through good behavior. Let me kind of give you what the Lord showed me. It's not through good behavior. Now, if you think it's good behavior, I just want you to know, you will stand in line with a lot of good people that will not receive eternal life. Do not receive being, it's not good behavior. It's not scripture memory. Go ahead and memorize the whole Bible. God really doesn't care when it comes to salvation. Scripture memory doesn't take you to that place. I'm sorry, that is me, and I'm getting ready to get wild, and this is gonna, I'm going to end up blowing this thing up. So, that's, it's called back fat rolling over on the antenna, but you understand that. All right. It is not, yeah, it's just the truth. Tell the, shame the, truth, uh, tell the truth, shame the devil. Uh, it's not from good behavior. It is not from scripture memory. Uh, it is not from being kind to others. We can do anything we want. You can walk in here and be nice. You can be nice to the person who backstabs you at work, whatever else. It, it's not going to change anything. It's not from being kind to others. It's, it's, it's not from feeding the poor. It's not taking care of orphans. That's not how you get to Jesus. You're saying, but John, now wait a minute, you're, you're, you're starting to offend me a little bit. Good. It's not loving the unlovable or taking care of the sick um, or educating the children in impoverished countries. It is not helping the hurting or, honor, or honoring the dying. It's not building a school in Ethiopia. It's not being in Peru, and changing the lives of the people there that don't know Jesus. By the way, can I just use this? Is this okay? Because I'm about ready to um, probably break this, and I don't want to get in trouble. And, you know, then... because you see if it was a fast to get, if, if it was a fast to get to Jesus then Jesus would say just fast and you'll know me 
If it was, if it was to honor the, the, the dying, then, then all we had to do was be good to people like Lazarus. If it was letting the children come to him and taking care of the poor and clothing the naked and, and visiting those in jail, if that was all it took, then why did Jesus need the cross? If he fulfilled everything that God's promises, he is the fulfillment of God's promises. He is the glory of God. Uh, he is the image of God. All the scripture says, if he is all that, then, then why did he need to go to the cross? If the only way to get to Jesus is to go through the cross. It is not from being a good teammate. It is not from being a good classmate. It is not from being a good son or daughter and, and, and all that, that we try to do. It is not being a good employee or faithful to your wife or husband. It is not from being a good parent grandparent or a good grandchild that will not get you to Jesus it's not going to get you there I'm talking about getting to Jesus I'm not talking about fulfilling uh, what it looks what it means to walk as a Christian or showing the love of Christ to people I'm not talking about that I'm talking about let's just get to Jesus it is not from giving your life away so that others can have it better. Uh, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, If I surrender my body to the flames, but have not what? Love, I gain nothing. If I can speak in the tongue of angels, men and of angels, and have not love, I am nothing. I mean, he goes on and on through that passage. It is not from giving your life away so that others can have it better. It is not preaching better. It is not teaching better or leading a small group, becoming a better disciple, or making better grades. We can't get close to Jesus by giving more money, more public service, serving this great nation, or washing the feet of others. If all that was how we got to Jesus, then there's no need for the cross. Now, hear me. As believers in Jesus, how should we respond? Listen, we should wash the feet of everybody we can. We should, who is our neighbor? Anybody we come in contact with. We see somebody struggling and we have an opportunity. Man, do good when it's within your power to do so. Right in Proverbs? Right? Th those things are all part of what it means to walk with Christ. I understand that. But what I'm trying to tell you is the very point of the cross, Jesus saw that man, Simon, that man, Simon from Cyrene, got to know Jesus in a way that very few people got to know. And it was because of going through the cross. That's the only way we can get to him. The only way we can get to Jesus is by going through the cross. And here's the benefit of going through the cross. Here's what I love about this. I turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. It'll be up here. But I, 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 Ephesians is becoming more and more just prominent. Here's, here's the benefit of the cross. Here's the benefit of going through the cross. This is what washing the feet of people won't do. This is what is clothing the naked won't do. This is what adopting won't do. Listen, I want to adopt. I am there. I feel a burden from the Lord. Like I am with you. So I'm not speaking about things that God is not wrecking my heart over. So don't take it that way today. What I'm trying to say is don't put the action of God over the presence of God. But what is the benefit of going through the cross? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12. Remember that at a time, John, you were separate from Christ. If the Lord allows me just to make it personal pronoun there, right? Uh, that's why, I, John, you, you were separate from Christ. Excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners of the covenant of the promise. In other words, I'm as, I was outcast. I'm a child of wrath in verse 3 in that chapter earlier. Without hope and without God in the world. But see, this is the benefit of the, of the cross. But now in Christ Jesus, whew, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
For he himself is our peace. Who has made the two one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man, right? The new Adam out of the two, thus making peace and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Go back with me in verse 14. He destroyed the cross, destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. There is no more dividing wall of hostility. And so the Lord showed me, here's some sub points you'll see online. Here's the things I want you to pray about this week, to pray about today, to spend time with the Lord with today. Since there is no dividing wall of hostility, Jesus broke down the dividing wall. That's what the cross does for us. Listen, people are out there that don't know the Lord, that haven't surrendered and said yes to the Lord, right? They're out there in that gospel of salvation. They haven't received him. God is not angry with them. He's not angry. The wall has been broken down, and he's extending his love in the name of Jesus. And we show people his love, and we release the presence of Jesus when we wash feet, when we adopt, when we clothe the naked, when we honor God, when we serve him, when we go to places local and far abroad, when we go and do that, we release the presence of Jesus, and people sense the power of the Spirit, and the Spirit awakens their dead spirit within them, that's something greater than their mind, emotions, and will, and his name is Jesus, and they have a chance to say yes. The dividing wall has been destroyed. Since there is no dividing wall of hostility between Jesus and us, that means we can take up our cross and follow him. And that's, what I, that's the benefit of that. That's the benefit of going from the gospel of salvation into this gospel of transformation where we put on our cross. And see, our cross is not this heavy weight of death. Some people say, well, that's my, just my cross to, to bear. That's just my cross to bear. Listen, listen, taking up the cross is not a burden. Taking up the cross is a symbol of victory. It's a symbol of hope. It's a symbol of peace. It's a symbol of everything that means everything to us. It is why we wash the feet. It is the why behind what we do. It is the why behind what we say. It is the why behind how we live, right? We don't have to put our Facebook status out there because our lives is that. We don't have to do it because God is showing himself through us. So because the dividing wall has been broken, I now can take up the cross. I don't have to take up death because Jesus already paid death. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have to work myself to the bone for Jesus because Jesus already did that. He already did all the works. There is no more work to be done and we are released to do something great for the Lord. That's, there's no more dividing wall. There's no more dividing wall of hostility in your life or our life. The barrier has been broken and that is what's beautiful about the cross and that is what the cross has done and that is the victory we take. So we pick up this cross and we say, yes, it was an instrument of death for Jesus, but because of his death, now I have life. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. We put on the cross because we're taking up our symbol of victory. And since there's, this is, then the second thing, since there's no dividing wall of hostility, the cross is not a weight to bear, but a calling to fulfill. The Lord was showing me this. It's uh, literally, he was just pouring this stuff out. It's not a weight to bear. I don't, I don't take up this weight. It's a calling to fulfill. But John, sometimes it feels like so much like a weight. It feels like a weight, John. 
I mean, come on, John. Even Jesus felt the weight of the cross. Remember back in Luke chapter 22? Look up here. You'll see Luke chapter 22, verses 42 through 44, where Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, the olive press, where this, this imagery of everything that's being pressed out of him, it gets to the point that it, this weight of the cross is so much, it's so much of a burden that begins to sweat drops of blood. Look with me. Father, if you are willing, take this cup, the cup of judgment, from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. You said, but John, see, that shows that the cross is a weight. No, listen, there's only one person that could carry that weight, and his name is Jesus. We can't bear the weight of our sin. We can't take on the weight of our sin. We can't even fix our sin, but he did. He fixed it all. There's no dividing wall of hostility. God is not angry with us. But John, what about when I, we sin? He disciplines those he loves. There's no more anger in the name of Jesus. There's no more dividing wall. There's no wall ever against us. That's why no weapon formed against you shall stand. But he did not say the weapon wouldn't be formed. Matthew 11, you remember this passage, is popular, 28 through 30. It says, Father, if you're willing, I, I love, um, excuse me, I'm sorry, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Look, look at the last part of that. You know, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The cross is not a weight of burden but a calling to fulfill. It is now the symbol of freedom. It is why we do what we do and the places we go and the reason why we bless those who curse us, the reason why we keep trusting God even when our emotions are screaming, but God, good things happen to bad people. What about me? Even in the midst of that, we keep pressing through and pressing on because God is doing something within us because the dividing wall has been broken down. It is now the cross that we carry is not a weight. It is something that frees us and since it's something that frees us since my yoke is easy and my burden the cross my burden is light since it's light then we have more room on our shoulders to carry other others burdens galatians chapter 6 verse 2 where we're commanded to carry one another's burdens and there, thereby fulfill the law of christ See, but there's something greater that he showed us than the weight of the world's rejection. This is why the cross is so great. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. You'll see it up here. He says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising or scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. That's what it means. That since there's no dividing wall, we can go and do what God has called us to do. That's washing the feet. That's adoption. That's going and ministering to the people and, and, and setting all the injustices right. One person at a time, taking one starfish, throwing it in. Yes, there's, a, there's millions and millions of starfish still lined up, but you made a difference in one. So keep going. And so we begin to look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 through 25. And this is how we begin to carry one another's burdens. And, and, I, and I love this passage because some guys and I are trying to memorize that. But again, scripture memory is not what makes me holy. It's not what makes me right. Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 25. 
I love what, the way Paul writes. This is why this is why we're free. There's no dividing wall. So now we can begin to reach out to others because there's no wall. There's no more wall. When somebody is against us, they're really not against us. They're really against the Lord because we don't come in our name. So there's no more dividing wall. Let me just break it down for you this. There's no more dividing wall. Even if a relationship in your life has gone wrong, guess what? God is not against you. There's no more dividing wall. God will make it right. Though your job may be messed up, there's still no dividing wall between you and God. God will make it right. He's just directing your path. If something goes wrong with your finances, it doesn't matter because God is directing your path. If you're wondering, what should I do? Who should I marry? Where should I go? Why am I in the state of the circumstances? There's no dividing wall. There's no more dividing wall. If you're sitting out there today and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, there's no dividing wall. So now we begin to live for Jesus and we begin to put others. We don't live for self. I, I, I was thinking about this. Uh, you know, as I was saying it today, we were meeting, uh, the, the elders and I, we were meeting early this morning. And I just, can I just, can I just say this before I read this passage? Can I just say, it is so easy to, to just not be saved. Oh, I told the elders this morning, I don't want to lose my salvation. I just want to act unsaved for a while. Okay. I, I just, I'll go over here. Maybe some people over here kind of get what I'm going and want to look. I, I, it is so nice to be selfish. I don't really care what you think. Doesn't that feel good sometimes? Well, John, I just want to tell you what you're doing. Just shut up. That offends me. I don't care. I only care about myself. You know, things like that mean a lot. You know, you turn around. Think about it. If you're unsaved, it is so simple. I don't understand unsaved people going, I'm just not happy. I'm like, you just don't know how to sin. <laughs> you wear what you want to wear. You do what you want to do. You walk, watch whatever movie you want to watch. You just, you can live it. If somebody's mad at you, who cares? It's about you. What does it matter? Well, I, I, I don't have enough money. Change jobs. It's not like you got to pray about it. God, should I go? Should I not? Just go. I mean, just think of how easy it is. You get to wear whatever you want. You don't even have to wash your clothes. You can go stinky. That person offends me. They smell. I don't care. You smell. What did you just say to me? You heard me. I know you are, but what am I? Right? It doesn't matter when you're not... Think about it. When you're not saved, what does it matter? What does it matter? You can do whatever you want, whatever you want, however you want, and you're miserable. Shame. That's called the God-sized void. And nothing can fill it but Jesus. Nothing and so the devil begins to lie. There's no more dividing wall. I know things have been broken in our lives, but guess what? That doesn't mean that God is broken in our lives. His, the, the dividing wall is over. And so because of that, now we're, because now because we're saved, we begin to care about other people, even the people that don't love us. And we struggle with it in labor and prayer, don't we? Because we know, God, please, can you just strike that person down? Just a little bitty plague. I'm not asking for nothing much, just maybe a zit or two that never goes away between their eyes. It's okay if they grow a third eye. I won't judge them. I mean, God, I'm not asking for much, just, you know, a little bit of failure in their life. So many people that are laughing, they're the ones getting what I'm thinking, right? They're there. The rest of you are going, he appalls me. I'm sorry. All right, so... Um, 
So what happens, but when you're freed up, because there's no dividing wall of hostility between us and the Lord, now we can begin to reach out to people that could care less about us. They could care less about God. And, and how they respond, we just go, it's not really up to us. It's up to Jesus. So we can love them regardless how they respond. And so we begin to minister and to love on people because we don't, we care about others. God begins to put this love in our heart and we begin to care about others more than we ever cared about ourselves. So we move from being selfish to being selfless. And we begin to put others and live for others. And then all of a sudden, it's not about our success, which is an ungodly, selfish, unsaved way of thinking, but a transformational thought is this. We begin to say, we're successful when they're successful. And all of a sudden, we become okay with being behind the scenes. We, we become okay because all that matters is that we're known by God, not so much known by man. And we want men to be known by God. So we begin to look at a life a wholly, totally different way. And Paul began to express this in, in jail in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. He expressed this from prison. And this is how he said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. I love this. But will have sufficient courage so that now as always, I love this part, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by what, saints? For me to live as Christ, to die as what, saints? If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to part and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I will remain in the body. Convinced of this, I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul wanted to be with Jesus he wanted to be with Jesus, but he said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be at a place where if you're successful, then I know I'm right with God. I'm going to stay in the place for you. And that's what it is. When there's no dividing wall of hostility between us and God, when we know that that plane has been taken away by the cross, not because of good works or us by trying harder or stop cussing less or stop lying less or stop lusting less, not by any of that stuff. You can't do it. I can't do it. Nobody can do it. It's the cross. The dividing wall has been broken by the great power of Jesus Christ. And because we've been set free and God is always going to love us and we're always going to be right with God and we're always going to be saved regardless of where we are, then it frees us up to, up to attempt great things for the Lord. And we can begin to now say that to live as Christ and to die is gain. And we can be torn between those two. Because we know to be in God's presence will be everything that we ever wanted. But God is saying, no, you are going to stay because you are going to be my presence on this earth. And everywhere you go, you're going to release the presence. Then you go to Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. And this is where I sin so much. But listen, my sin is, doesn't, break my, doesn't break my salvation with God. Yes, it might hinder my relationship in the sense of our, our relation because it might be, you know, there might be some clogged arteries there in my prayer language because obviously my, I, I'm not 
really having my heart changed, but God is going to work on me. He says in verse, uh, chapter Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, do everything without... Oh, please, uh, can we cut that out the Bible? Can we just cut that? I would be okay to cut this verse out. I'm going to tell you what. I am the biggest grumbler. I've been grumbling for two and a half years now about one thing. And every time I say it lately, God's just been pinging me. John, you keep on grumbling. I might just give you what you asked for, which might not be what you want. Twelve things without grumbling or, or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. In other words, everybody complains when you're selfish, you complain, but when you're selfless, you don't. Selfish people don't, are not grateful unless they get something really good. And then it only lasts for a while and they got to get something better. You ever dated anybody like that? Hello? Okay, two people. You know if you do, trust me. He says, then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. I want, to be able, I want us to be able to shine like stars, not so people can say, what a great church, but so they can say, what a great God. What a, that's the cross. There's no dividing wall of hostility. We're free. We've been free. Uh, the third thing is, since there's no dividing wall of hostility, the cross is not a weight to bear, but a peace and freedom to experience. It is a peace and freedom. To, Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ set us what? Uh, yeah, it's for freedom that Christ set us what? Yeah, in other words, I, I love this. Oh, man, this is so good. Uh, I'm sorry this is not on here. Please forgive me. Uh, but since you have to forgive me, I'm just going to bank on that. Okay, I'm just kidding. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 2. Let's, let's look at this. This is interesting. This is what, oh, there's no dividing wall of hostility. No dividing wall because of the cross. I'll start with verse 1. Uh, is, as for you, you were dead in your uh, transgressions and sins. In other words, my spirit was dead. I could not hear the voice of the Holy Spirit unless he awoke my spirit. My soul was alive. My mind, emotions, and will. Psychologists deal with the mind, uh, right? They deal with the emotions. They deal with the will. The, whatever. Psychologists, we can medicate. We can do things. Serotonin level. All that. That's all good. That's all good. What I'm, but what I'm trying to say is it doesn't get to the point that can actually rule us. Only the Spirit can rule the soul. Only the Spirit can rule the soul. That's why Jesus could be in anguish and sweat drops of blood and his emotions are wrecked, but the Spirit of God said, do it. And he did. See, the Spirit, that's why somebody could put a gun to these people's heads. That's why, you know, Jimmy Pollard was talking this morning about these missionaries. He's reading one that's just, I mean, he was amazing in the sacrifice that he did just to, just to get his heart. I mean, he literally, when he died, he, they, they took his heart. They cut out his heart out of his body and buried it in Africa because, and then sent his body back to his home country because that's what he asked for is a symbol to say, my heart is in Africa. Some of everybody's going, that's crazy. No, that's Jesus. And so, but when, you're, when you become alive in Christ, things change. There's no dividing wall. Verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And that's what Satan does. Satan wants to jack up the air language between y'all. But since there's no dividing wall of hostility, what the cross did, the cross now rules the air. 
Right? Because that's what people are hurt when people argue. Right? The perception is not reality. You might perceive me as being rude, and I might have just found out my mom died. You see, the air is where the enemy, he's the prince of the air. He's the little G, God of this age. He tries to jack up the air language of people, the communication language of people, the perception language of the people. He tries to mess all that up. But here's what happens. We think our mess, our language is messed up between God. Our air between God and us is messed up. But there's no dividing wall. And now we have freedom to speak. And we can come boldly into the throne of grace, Hebrews says. There's no more problem with language. That's why even if there was a problem with language in Christians, Christians forgive because we're always showing grace before we ever show judgment. Because the prince of the air doesn't rule. He doesn't rule. He rules. He's the little God of this age. He's out there trying to rule the world by jacking up everybody's language. And so we use flowery language. We use non-descriptive language. We use these nebulous, generous, uh, general terms, you know, in diplomacy because we don't want to say anything that's offensive, right? Because we're always worried about what somebody else thinks. And what we do as Christians, we come and we say, we worry about what God thinks because he's the ruler of the air, not Satan. He's the king of kings, not Satan. He's the only God, not Satan. Satan was created, not God. And so we've been set free, so there's no dividing wall. I just want to tell you, you've been free, set free from rejection. If you've been rejecting, but rejected before, Satan will use that as the dividing wall. Hear me, saints, hear me, because we're about ready to land this. Robbie, come on up here for a moment. Play prophetically over us if you don't mind. Listen to me. I want you, if you don't get anything else, get this today. That this is why the cross is so beautiful. Because what he's done is this. He has this. If you've been rejected, I want you to know something. You stand under God with no rejection. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. Not death, not life, not angels, no principalities, anything. Nothing, 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 nothing. Jesus said, you're in the Father's hands. He said, furthermore, you're in my hands. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. You are not rejected by the king. John, you don't know how bad my life is. Listen, I don't know how bad your life is. I don't know about the mistakes. I don't know about the hurt. I don't know about the struggles. I don't know about the beatings. I don't know about the loneliness. But I do know this. There was a God who was rejected. There was a God who was lonely. There was a God who was beat. There was a God whose own parents thought he was insane and his own family was in, thought he was insane and he stood and followed through because he is the only God and King and you are not rejected because if God doesn't reject you, nobody else can. You're free from loneliness. There's no, again, Satan wants to use that as a dividing wall. Well, you're all alone. You're still single. That's a lie from hell. Call it out. If loneliness determined value, then Jesus would be worthless. You know what Isaiah says? They strike the shepherd and the sheep did what, saints? Anybody? Scattered. Come on. Jesus wasn't married? Come on. The dividing wall of hostility is broken because there's no guilt. You stand there and say, but John, you don't know about my life. You don't even know what I've done. You don't know how I've sinned against God. I just want to tell you something. If your sin is greater than the cross, then maybe I just need to pack up and get up out of here because I serve a pretty weak God. 
But that's why the cross is so beautiful, because everything at the cross has been washed away, has been thrown into the sea as far as the east is from the west. And that's why we can sing the song by Horatio Stafford about it is well with my soul when he got to the very point where his children drowned as his wife was in England and sent him the telegram in Chicago and said, don't come, don't come after the big Chicago fire. He's such a successful lawyer. He said, no, we need to take a family vacation. I got to get some stuff taken care of. So wife and kids, you go. There was a shipwreck. His children died. His wife lived. She sends a telegram. He says, I'm still going. And right when they got to the point where they thought the wreck happened, where his children died, he walked out there and God gave him these words. Whatever the cost, he has taught me to say it is well. It is well with my soul. That's what the cross does. The cross gives us a a glimpse and look into eternity. So I'm sorry your family members died. I am. I buried my father and officiated funeral. I'm with you. There with you. Showered him. Set him up and down on the toilet. Stayed there with him. Rejected by him right before he died. Told me I was in Charleston making mud pies. Two weeks before he died, I didn't gain my father's approval. And my twin sister looked at him and said, Dad, you're going to run off all the good help. My own father, man. My own father. And I'm taking care of him while my boss is working. There's no dividing wall. There's no dividing wall. Because it's not up to my dead to understand what I was doing by pastoring here. All I had to do was be obedient to God. That's all. And I can rest in that. And I had peace. Oh, yeah, it hurts a little. Because you always want your father's approval, don't you? But the truth is, it's more important I have my real father's approval. Condemnation. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. The dividing wall is done. Hopelessness. The dividing wall is, is done. Feeling unloved. And you're not unloved because God loves us while we're still sinners. The dividing wall has been broken. Uncared for. Jesus is caring for us right now. Uh, we're, you, I feel useless, John. No, you're not. That is the prince of the air speaking air language to you. And the last time I checked, air doesn't have a punch. John, I'm empty. Not when you're filled with the Spirit. John, I'm not beautiful. Not when God calls you lovely, beloved. John, I'm unnoticed. Really? God is speaking something to your heart right now. He's telling you something he wants. John, I feel the sense of purposelessness. The dividing wall of hostility is not a weight to bear, but a peace and freedom to experience and a calling to fulfill. And I'm going to end with this. And the Lord showed me this. Since there's no dividing wall of hostility, the cross is not a weight to bear, but it's our connection with the king. Come on, somebody. Huh? 
It's our connection with the king. Listen, here's, here's, here's how we're landing the plane. Everybody ready? Here's the land. I'm thankful for my wife because she's way more godly than me and way more knowledgeable. And again, my salvation not based on my godliness because it's on the righteousness of Jesus. So she can be more holy than me. I can just say, I'll ride your coattails. Oh, but it doesn't give us a sin to keep, it doesn't give us an excuse to keep on sinning. Paul wrote this, may I go on sinning so that grace may abound more so? In other words, if I sin more, it makes grace look bigger. Paul goes in, in the Greek, strongest double negative. Make no play. May it never be. So it's not, I'm saying a, a way for me to continue sinning. Here's what's awesome. Here's what, here's what my wife was reading this book by John Revere that, that I had gotten a long time ago and, 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 uh, kind of worked through and I was telling her about it years and years ago and then she picked it back up recently and got a new edition and I was telling Robbie backstage and I was telling the worship team backstage and, and, and she read this thing to me and she's like, John, John, this is what the Lord, this is what he said and this, this is what God is saying. And let me just read to you what John Revere now, the only problem with the book is he says you can lose your salvation. He's just not theological correct on that but he said some really good points and this is one sorry to have to call him out he says this physical growth is a function of time she was she was talking to me about this and we were spending time in it and I go yeah right he, you know you don't see a, a six foot two year old I mean I know some of you are big when you were born but hello right I might have, I might have been six foot wide but that's another story and none of your business Physical growth is a function of time. So the only way we physically grow is for time. Time takes time. We, we grow when we sleep, right? Everybody got it? We physically grow because of time. How about this? How, how, when, when does intellectual growth take place? Intellectual growth take place when we learn. Just ask some of these nukes. So I don't know. Y'all way smarter than me. I can't even spell all them words y'all talking about and all them algorithm theorems. And if I didn't got in there, I'd just blow something up. They'd kick me off the boat because I'd blow the boat up. I, I'm terrible. I wouldn't know what to do. I can't even spell nuclear. I can spell yeast. It's spelled R-O-L-L. I knew it. But I, you know, I mean, I, I think about this. And, and so, you know, intellectual growth comes by learning, right? The only way you intellectually grow is you learn. You get to the point where you're stretched and you're stretched, right? So physical growth takes time. Intellectual growth takes learning. So how do we grow spiritually? We obey. It's not scripture memory. It's not how long you prayed this morning. It's not how much time you spent with God today. It is not how many Bible studies you lead or all the acts that you've done for the broken and all the people that are hurting. That is not, that, that the only way you grow is to obey. Whatever God says you do. And I told Robbie today, I said, Robbie, I, I don't know how to land it because all God is telling me to tell people today is this. Because there's no dividing wall of hostility. You can't go wrong. What if I do the wrong thing? I think not doing anything is the wrong thing. That's the wrong thing. Well, John, how do, how do you know? How do you know? All I, I can tell you, here's how you know. Peace of God. Peace of God. Peace of God. Quit trying to figure out. Quit trying to rationalize. Quit trying to use a T-scale. You can use all that stuff you want. But John, some people get peace after they obey. Yes, that's true. They might get the complete peace, but it's the peace of God stirring in them to at least still do it. They know they have to do it or they're going to miss out. So I'm going to land it today. What is God calling you to obey? There's no dividing wall. There's no more dividing wall. God is speaking to everyone's heart. I know in this place. I know some of you got to go to go, go to somebody and talk to them. I got it. And just go.
pajama might not turn around. Does it matter what you say to them if they turn around and cuss you out? 20 years from now, God could use that if it's the Lord's will. God could use that to bring them to Jesus because it ate them up. Or John, I'm not supposed to go with this person. I'm not that. Just obey. Just obey. Spiritual growth comes from obedience. And if we're going to invest in other people, we got to obey. We got to obey. What did Simon do? He could have died. They could have killed him, the Romans. He just did it. And when he did it, he got to Jesus. Just get to Jesus. Quit trying to be better. Quit trying to clean your life up. Even if you clean your life up, your righteousness is way less than Jesus. It's just Jesus. I have nothing to offer you today but to just to tell one beggar how to, to tell another beggar how to get bread. just Jesus so what's God asking you to do maybe you want to spend time with him maybe you want to lay out and say God I'm willing I don't know what you're telling me but I just want to be willing is he telling you to do ministry I'm looking over there for a reason is he telling you to go into ministry You need to obey. Oh, I I don't know enough about Scripture to come to Jesus. You never will. Just obey. John, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. If you could have been Jesus, you would have. But you're not. Just come to Jesus. I believe with all my heart this place will be flooded if we really respond. Some just in prayer, some in asking God, some in talking, but I can sense the Spirit of God because I don't sense much emotion in me. When there's a lot of emotion in me, sometimes it's more me. But when all that's gone, really it's all Him. Father, come to you speaking life over this place speaking healing because there's no more dividing wall the dividing wall means we look at ourselves and say I don't think I can God what do we need to do to obey right now what do we need to say what do we need to do who needs to come and just kind of spend some time with you Lord kind of pray through some things the dividing wall has been broken, Lord. There's no more. Some people might want to say, I need to come to Jesus. I've never, I've never surrendered my, my life to him. Never, never. I've, I've never done that. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe some of you said, you know, I have, and I've just been drifting away, and I just want to kind of, Lord, I just need to come and get some things right with you today, and I just kind of lay myself out in front of you today. Maybe you got this broken heart in front of the Lord and you was, you've been asking God for something for a long time and it's just never really happened. I just want you to know there's no dividing wall of hostility and his delay is not always a deny. So why don't maybe you just spend some time with Jesus? 
Lord, all I I know is that, that, Lord, you're asking us to come and to enter into this place, Lord. Some people might just need some prayer over them for healing. Some people might need just some prayer over them, Lord, for provision. Some people, we just might need to respond and say, we need to do something. We need to do, what is it, God, that you're asking us to obey that today we can come and just kneel before you and say, God, I'm going to do it. I don't fully understand it, but I'm going to do it, God. Wreck everyone's heart in this place, God. Speak to our hearts right now. What are you asking us to do? How how can we obey you, Lord, so that there's spiritual growth in us? How can we obey? How can we obey, Lord? How can we just simply obey? Is it to sing? Is it to pray? Is it to bend our knees? Is it to come forward? Maybe it's just the first mark of just coming forward and just saying, God, I'm going to get on my face in front of you, whatever it is. Lord, take away the hardness of our hearts so we can hear you. You're stronger than the deafness in our ears, Lord. You, you're, you're brighter than the, than the darkness that blinds our eyes. You're, you're greater and stronger than the walls around our heart. The dividing wall has been broken down by the cross. And we have direct access to Jesus. And you said, come boldly to the throne of grace. And there we can receive grace and mercy in our time of need. Lord, does anybody have a need today? If anybody has a need, there's no wall. You're saying, come to, to you. And that's what I'm trying to be faithful to ask. And come right now, Lord. Pour your spirit out, Lord. Pour your spirit.